The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled The Future Looks Bright for People with Fabry Disease, Improving Diagnosis and Expanding Treatment Options. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash ZTU 860. Downloadable slides and practice aids are also available. Hello. This is David Warnock speaking. I'm a professor of medicine emeritus at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and I've been taking care of Fibre patients for the last 21 years. Today, I want to share with you some thoughts we have about our current approach to the diagnosis and treatment of Fibre disease, and I hope you find this informative. Fibre disease is an X-linked, inherited disorder of lipid metabolism resulting from deficient activity of the enzyme alpha-galactosidase alpha. Although it's X-linked, in 2001 it was recognized that women and girls can also have this disease, have symptoms and clinical findings. The enzyme deficiency causes a continuous buildup of global triacylceramide, GB3, and related glycolipids in the body's cells, resulting in cellular abnormalities and organ dysfunction that particularly affect the heart, kidneys, and nervous system. Fibre disease is the second most prevalent lysosomal storage disease, just behind Gaucher disease. Let's consider the diagnosis and management of Fibre disease. Given the progressive nature, early diagnosis is important, but is often missed or delayed by up to 20 years after symptom onset, leading to untreated disease and cardiac, renal, and nervous system damage. Women are often misdiagnosed as having lupus, fibromyalgia, or other conditions. If clinical examination raises a suspicion of febrile disease, the diagnosis is confirmed by demonstrating the enzyme deficiency in men and by identifying the specific GLA mutation in men and women. A white blood cell alpha-GLA enzyme level, available through many reference labs, can be helpful, especially in males, as part of the initial evaluation. Management of febrile disease requires a multidisciplinary approach, including a, a host of specialists because of the protean nature of this disease. Febrile disease is treated with supportive care and disease-modifying treatment, including enzyme replacement therapy and chaperone therapy today. The spectrum of febrile disease, symptoms, and severity is very important to understand. In the classic febrile disease, little or no alpha-gal enzyme is produced, and child onset of symptoms is very common. Severe morbidity with multi-system manifestations uh, is the usual finding. In non-classic febrile disease, there is residual alpha-gal activity, so the onset of symptoms is delayed, and the phenotype, in fact, can be milder than we see in the classic uh, presentation. You see in uh, the cartoons on the left with uh, classic children, chronic fatigue, recurrent fever, uh, cold and heat intolerance are very important early findings. And in the males, uh, especially on the right and the adults, uh, left ventricular hypertrophy, arrhythmias, autonomic dysfunction, proteinuria, progressive loss of kidney function, angiokeratomas, and edema are important findings. Neuropathy and fibroid disease presents a wide spectrum of severity, both in males and females. 
Proteinuria is a very important manifestation of podocyte injury and is strongly associated with progressive loss of kidney function. The overall rate of progression of chronic kidney disease resembles that of diabetic nephropathy in classic males. Untreated males frequently develop end-stage renal disease in their 50s or even younger. Classic patients with fibronephropathy who develop renal failure frequently suffer concurrent symptoms from other major organ systems. Pediatric signs and symptoms are very important. It can be hard to detect because several of the signs and symptoms can overlap with other conditions. However, in children's, pediatricians and family practitioners should be alert to acute, unexplained episodes of pain, often accompanied by fever and unresponsive to usual analgesics. Heat, cold, intolerance, exercise intolerance are important findings. Angiokeratomas, which are spotted dark red skin rashes, are most common between the umbilicus and the knees. The photo shows small angiokeratomas on the scrotum of an 11-year-old male with classic fibre disease. Children often have unexplained frequent gastrointestinal disturbance, diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, abdominal pain, even constipation. Hypohidrosis troubles with uh, sweating, an important finding, mild proteinuria, and of course the sex differences need to be emphasized. There's a lower prevalence of symptomatic disease in females than in males. Males exp experience a younger age of onset of symptoms than the females, six versus nine years typically. This is a diagnostic algorithm for Fabre disease. It's a, a targeted approach. Testing in males and females with suspected disease can start with the enzyme activity, although in females this can be less helpful than it certainly is in males. However, GLA genetic testing for the specific mutation is required, in my opinion, in all patients. A challenge is presented if the patient has an, a mutation of unknown significance. Does this cause disease or is this a benign polymorphism? Uh, what's important is to assess the patient very carefully for associated system organ damage. Is the renal function decline? Is there increased urinary protein albumin uh, with respect to their creatinine ratios? What about the plasma GB3 and the plasma lyso GB3? These can be very helpful in patients with unknown uh, variants, variants that have not yet been described. What's uh, the ultimate gold standard, of course, is tissue biopsy, showing intracellular GB3 inclusions. Very, very important. Newborn screening for fibroid disease is a new development. The best way to detect fibroid disease is at an early stage. It has high sensitivity, but varied specificity be depending on the screening technology that used. Now, it's not uh, included in all the newborn screening panels, but it does uh, happen in Delaware, Illinois, Missouri, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee, and other states uh, are coming on board. Now, early treatment of, uh, with available therapy can prevent disease progression and improve quality of life. More importantly, in my view, the entire family should then be screened for that mutation found in the index case in the neonate. 
Genetic testing and family planning are important uh, in considering this disease. Genetic counselor, medical, medical geneticists are helpful in identifying other affected family members, addressing psychosocial issues and economic uh, insurance issues and so forth, and also referral to various support groups. Preconception prenatal counseling is useful. Remember, this is an X-linked inherited disease. That means women will pass the mutation off to half of their uh, children. And males, of course, will only pass the disease on to their daughters. They don't give the son an X chromosome. So the son will never get Fabry disease from their father. Prenatal genetic diagnosis is possible, but rarely needed. Surrogacy is a relevant option, especially in women who desire to have children but already have advanced kidney involvement. Complications can occur during pregnancy. Increased symptoms, uh, proteinuria, GI problems, acroparesthesias, and the kidney disease can progress during pregnancy. But you know, this, this is a problem with all forms of chronic kidney disease. We're turning now to module number two. We're gonna focus on the therapeutic strategies and emerging new treatments uh, for patients with fibroid disease. ERT, enzyme replacement therapy with agalsidase alpha or beta, can slow the irreversible damage in renal and cardiac systems if it started at an earlier stage of the disease. It may slow progression or development of extrarenal signs and symptoms and improve quality of life, even in patients with end-stage renal disease. However, we have to understand that it's less efficacious if we wait to start treatment until the disease is advanced. Megalostat, chaperone therapy, is useful. We'll spend some time discussing this, but it's only available for patients, adult patients, who have amenable mutations. Emerging therapies are worth mentioning in passing, gene therapy, new ERT preparations, as well as substrate reduction therapy. It's important to emphasize that adjunctive supportive therapy for management of chronic kidney disease and cardiovascular risk factors is also necessary. We need to reduce proteinuria, control the blood pressure, control the lipids, treat hypercoagulability as part of the standard of care for patients with Fabry disease. This uh, schema organizes our thinking about uh, the therapeutic approaches for Fabry disease. Early on in the processing of the protein, we can talk about gene therapy. The intention here with various uh, approaches is to improve the availability of enzyme. Uh, this can either be liver-targeted therapy or cardiomyocyte-targeted therapy, but the uh, exogenous DNA information is either added to uh, cells that are um, transfected and um, targeted to the liver or directed uh, directly. We have a problem with protein folding. Many missense mutations uh, do produce protein, but the drug, the protein is not uh, active, and chaperone therapy may be helpful in a subset of these mutations to develop and present a properly folded protein with good action. Enzyme replacement therapy is currently the mainstay for most patients who have Fabry disease. 
this can include the agalsidase alpha as well as the agalsidase beta preparations and an investigational product pig unigalsidase alpha is also um, uh, in late development for fibre disease. We're going to also uh, talk a bit about substrate reduction therapy shown on the left of this slide, but we'll detail this in the next, in the further cartoon. This is what enzyme replacement therapy does. This is a product that was approved by the FDA in 2003, agalsidase beta. It's given every two weeks at one milligram per kilogram, and it effectively reduces plasma and tissue GL3 levels in the vascular endothelium of the kidney, skin, and heart, uh, which uh, at the time of uh, the conditional approval was accepted as a surrogate marker for clinical benefit. You can see the heavy lysosomal deposits on the left, and after six months of treatment, you can see that these deposits are greatly improved. What about kids? When are we going to start treatment with enzyme replacement therapy? The presence of symptoms in boys and girls with classic mutations is a strong indication for the early initiation of enzyme replacement therapy. Treatment should be initiated before irreversible in-organ damage has occurred. Asymptomatic children with fibromatation should be followed closely for the development of renal, cardiac, neurologic, and gastrointestinal signs and symptoms or laboratory changes which would warrant treatment initiation with ERT. I'll remind you that megalostat chaperone therapy is not approved in pediatric patients. What about adult males? Well, let's start with the classic uh, patients. Uh, we consider enzyme replacement therapy in all male patients. Uh, agalsidase beta is given intravenously at one mg per kg every two weeks in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And the agalsidase alpha is given at 0.2 mg per kg every two weeks uh, only in countries where it is approved, which does not include the U.S. ERT slows progression of disease, particularly in those diagnosed and treated at earlier stages. Males with late-onset fibroid disease uh, would start ERT if there are laboratory, histologic, or imaging evidence of kidney, heart, or CNS damage. If the GFR is less than 90 mils per minute, uh, adjusted for age, or if there's persistent albuminuria, the renal biopsy shows podocyte foot process effacement, glomerular sclerosis, the brain MRI shows signs of stroke or white matter lesion, or if there's significant cardiac involvement with cardiomyopathy, arrhythmias, cardiac fibrosis, and MRI. These are reasons to start enzyme replacement therapy in late-onset variants. Megalostat is limited to patients who have amenable mutations. How about adult females? In symptomatic female patients, ERT is started if there are signs or symptoms of organ involvement, neuropathic pain or neuropathy, symptomatic cardiac disease, not from other causes, proteinuria, albuminuria, not from other causes, evidence of renal impairment, GI dysfunction, exercise intolerance, impaired sweating. Asymptomatic female patients uh, can start ERT if there's uh, very convincing evidence in the lab or imaging studies for heart, CNS, or kidney involvement. 
significant cardiac involvement would be more typical in uh, females with late onset variants. Uh, they have cardiomyopathy, arrhythmias, cardiac fibrosis on MRI. Do they have persistent albuminuria? Do they have podocytes, effacement on kidney biopsy? What about evidence of uh, brain involvement with white matter lesions or a history of stroke or other signs of uh, neurologic involvement? Again, megalostat uh, should be considered only in patients who have amenable mutations. There are limits to our current use of enzyme replacement therapy. There's no evidence for benefit regarding cardiac arrhythmias or conduction abnormalities, possibly due to the late initiation of treatment or inadequate current dosing availability. There does not seem to be any effect on preventing ischemic stroke. Unfortunately, there are cross-reacting antibodies, anti-drug antibodies developed in classic male patients that can alter the tissue distribution, cellular uptake, and efficacy of enzyme replacement therapy. Agalsidase beta is approved and widely available. Agalsidase alpha is not approved in the U.S., but widely available elsewhere. The late onset variants uh, can be treated if the um, mutation is amenable with chaperone therapy. It's megalostat is improved in the U.S. for treatment of adults with amenable variants. Less than 50% of the patients will have such variants, and this uh, amenability is determined by in vitro pharmacogenetic assays, and those uh, results are easily available. The drug is given uh, orally every other day at 123 milligrams dosing. There are two trials that are important in the uh, history of the development of megalostat. Uh, the ATTRACT trial was in patients who are already uh, treated with uh, ERT, and the co-primary endpoint was achieved, which was basically uh, continued stabilization of the renal function. The FACETS trial was done in enzyme-naive patients uh, and uh, with various uh, approaches to the definition of amenability, the drug did in fact reach its uh, respective primary endpoint, stabilization of kidney function, with an open-label extension showing that this was well-maintained in patients who did not have severe proteinuria. What we don't know is uh, data concerning major kidney events in patients with severe renal, renal impairment because the drug is not given to patients who have GFRs less than 30 mils per minute. EMA, the European Medicines Agency guidance, uh, is recommending monitoring the renal cardiac function biochemical markers every six months. The U.S. Uh, guidelines have not been updated yet to uh, include megalostat. Pinunigas alpha pegylated ERT is a new development. It's uh, all the trials uh, have been completed. I'll summarize those for you on this slide. The phase one, two study, uh, 18 patients, open label, three to nine months. And importantly, biopsies were included in this that showed clearing of the intracellular GB3 deposits. The 
open-label bridge and bright studies were essentially switch studies. The bridge study was a switch of patients on agalsidase alpha who were switched over to pinunigalsidase alpha. Uh, the preparations were given every two weeks uh, and the again this was an open-label switch study. The primary endpoint was really a safety assessment and the number of adverse events uh, was uh, a very good profile. Annualized changes in GFR uh, seemed to be improved, but the primary endpoint was a safety one, and that was uh, met uh, in this study. The BRIGHT study was a very interesting study, 12-month duration with an open-label extension. 30 patients were enrolled who were currently on full-dose uh, agalsidase beta, at one meg per keg every two weeks, they were switched, open label, to uh, pig uh, unigalsidase alpha at two megs per kilogram given every four weeks. The primary endpoint again was a safety study in this open label study, and it appeared that the number, severity, and nature of the adverse events on the new treatment was very uh, uh, complementary to the outcomes. The secondary changes in GFR, plasma levels, and so forth of GB3, lysogb 3 all of these were compatible with adequate treatment with this new preparation. The interesting most recent study, uh, soon to be published, is a randomized controlled trial. 78 patients with progressive loss of kidney function on current enzyme replacement therapy were uh, randomized, and two-thirds of them were switched to uh, pig unigalsidase alpha. One-third continued on their current ERT, but in a blinded fashion. The infusions uh, were given every two weeks uh, at a complementary dose to the control, and the primary outcome was a comparison of the annual median EGFR. The change in GFR was the primary endpoint, and in this study it was designed as a non-inferiority study, and that primary, as well as the other secondary endpoints, were met. This is an example of the balanced study, the primary efficacy data, showing the EGFR slopes over the two-year duration of this study. You can see the patients had definite kidney involvement, and the patients did as well on pig unigalsidase alpha as they did compared to the patients who continued in a blinded study on the agalsidase beta. This uh, met the medium slopes uh, in the bottom table, which showed that there was no difference in slope over the, la uh, over the two years of this study. So this was a successful uh, outcome for comparison of PEG unigalsidase alpha to the approved uh, uh, um, agalsidase beta. It showed non-inferiority based on the median EGFR annualized slope, a key measure of Fabry disease progression. No new safety concerns were identified. Overall, the tolerability and immunogenicity profiles were favorable for patients who were switched to PEG unigalsidase alpha. The rate of uh, treatment 
related adverse events was approximately one-fourth lower in the treated group compared to the standard agalsidase beta group, and the proportion of anti-drug antibody patient with neutralizing antibodies was actually lower in the patients on the pegunagalsidase alpha than, peg, than agalsidase beta at the end of the 24-month study. The event rate and infusion-related re reactions approximately eightfold lower in the uh, new treatment group. Most patients opted to continue after the study was concluded in the open-label extension study, which will go on for another 60 months. Let's talk about substrate reduction therapy. The metabolism of the ceramides is shown on the left, and there are two steps that we can uh, consider. The first uh, is the glucosyl ceramide synthase enzyme that is treated by two agents that are currently in clinical trial. There's a third agent that has recently been reported in animal studies and cell culture studies, which inhibits the final enzyme that converts GB2 to GB3. All of these agents would be expected to reduce the amount of GB3 accumulating in the lysosomes by simply reducing the amount of substrate. The clinical trials are ongoing. We'll see if there's a, a role for SRT in treating Fabry disease in the future. Gene therapy studies at this point are very preliminary. This is a slide that shows the plasma alpha-gal activity in five patients who received enzyme replacement therapy. In general, it does appear that at least a transient and hopefully permanent increase in plasma activity can be achieved but I, I have to tell you, in my view, these results are too preliminary at this point to make any sort of a strong conclusion. There is an open-label study with uh, uh, a product that targets the cardiomyocytes. Uh, and again, this uh, seems to be well-tolerated. Uh, the primary and secondary endpoints are being studied. There are no dose-limiting toxicities reported at this point. It shows promise in treating Fabry disease uh, in both in, uh, ERT experienced as well as uh, patients who have antibodies to ERT. But again, this is very early on in the development of this program. There's another trial with uh, a drug. This was so-called MARVEL trial. It's an adenovirus-associated uh, approach uh, with a rational design for uh, uh, including the uh, GLA and under a liver-specific promoter. Open-label studies again, phase one, two. Primary endpoint is safety. At this point, I think uh, the safety seems to be reasonable, uh, but we don't have efficacy data at this point that's conclusive uh, that would lead to a phase three study. It is worth noting that one of the gene therapy programs has been discontinued. This was an agent being developed by AvroBio, and according to their press release in January 2022, it, the, this development program was discontinued because of apparent futility. The patient, the project, new clinical data showed variable in graphene patterns in the most recently dosed patients, which would extend the product's development time, and uh, the program was discontinued. 
Finally, I want to emphasize the importance of all the adjunctive supportive treatment and management in Fabry disease. We, we have enzymes and we have chaperone. We hope to have uh, substrate reduction therapy that are disease specific. But in addition to that, we want to address neuropathic pain. We want to address the stroke issues. We want to address depression. We want to provide the standard of care for patients who have chronic kidney disease. Uh, patients need to have their blood pressure control. The arrhythmias are important, uh, and even uh, implantable pacemakers or defibrillators have been used to treat this condition. Uh, bradycardia is an important issue, and pacemakers are very helpful. Heart failure is something to be aware of. Cor uh, coronary disease is not typical of uh, Fabry disease, but can develop and should be treated appropriately. Uh, lipid issues are addressed with the statins. Um, the smoking is obviously a problem. The GI issues can be helped with various uh, approaches, uh, dietary as well as uh, H2 blockers and so forth. And importantly, hearing loss is a very bothersome finding when that develops. So hearing aids and even cochlear implants are useful. Follow-up and monitoring is important. We need to assess patients for cardiac involvement. Uh, hypertrophy and cardiac death from arrhythmia is probably the most common cause of death at this time, uh, especially in males. Uh, we know that the QRS duration is important and the left ventricular mass index is an important variable. Renal involvement and progressive loss of kidney function have to be detected, monitored, and addressed. Follow-up in terms of the U.S. guideline is annual follow-up uh, with the renal assessments uh, to consider echo and electrophysiology every two years, annual pain, GI, quality of life evaluations, uh, and the renal biopsy is, I, in my view, very helpful in problematic patients or in patients who are being considered for a change in therapy. Strategizing for personalizing treatment is very important. These issues include patient-specific characteristics, such as their family history, age, sex, genetic testing results, mutation type. These personal issues can impact on treatment decisions and initiation of treatment. When to use ERT, when to use megalostat uh, can uh, be important questions. The patient's choices and uh, participation are very useful. The treatment, uh, to when to start in the modality of treatment is a very personal decision and has to be carried out on a case-by-case -case basis. In conclusion, Fabry disease is a rare X-linked lysosomal storage disease. It can affect women, although the phenotypic variability is notable in women. Diagnostic delays up to 20 years can be a problem in terms of initiating treatment. Hopefully, new testing approaches and newborn screening will address this diagnostic delay. Kidneys and cardiac sequela are a common feature, especially in the classic form of Fabry disease. Treatments should be initiated before, before permanent organ damage occurs. We know that ERT is highly effective in stabilizing the patient's condition. 
We know that megalostat is highly effective, although its effectiveness is limited to patients with amenable mutations. New treatment options are on the horizon. That's very good news for the Fabry patients as well as the treaters. Finally, Fabry disease requires lifelong management and monitoring. I hope these presentations have been helpful to you, and I appreciate your attention. Thank you very much. This activity is certified by PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education. Remember to download the slides and practice aids. Thank you for listening. Download materials and complete the post-test for instant credit at peerview.com forward slash ZTU 860. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Chiesi USA Incorporated.